This is Alan Condon with the Beckers AFC podcast, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Gabe Figueroa, Administrator at Manhattan Reproductive Surgery Center in New York City. Gabe, pleasure to have you back on the podcast today. I'd love to turn the floor over to you to hear a little bit more about your role, your background, and what's going on at your AFC today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. Um, a little bit about me. I've uh, been in the ASC space here in New York for about 15 years. Uh, currently uh, at Manhattan Reproductive Surgery Center. Uh, very sort of uh, unique and special place. Uh, we are the the only surgery center in the state of New York that focuses strictly on infertility. Um, and, you know, as we, we do have a, a an IVF program, but it's a little bit different in terms of the the surgical interventions that we also provide our patients so um, we're we're providing both you know treatment of underlying medical conditions such as uterine fibroids uh, ovarian cysts and endometriosis as a few examples on top of um, sort of our IVF program to optimize our patients to achieve a successful pregnancy so kind of unique niche in terms of the services we provide, almost like a hyper-specialty, if you'd like to call it that. Um, I think that, that term's kind of getting thrown out there in terms of joints and, and other things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put our name in the ring in terms of, uh, you know, being a, a hyper-specialty and very specific in, in terms of the services we provide. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it sounds like a really exciting time for your surgery center specifically. Um, I'd love to dive into a little bit more about kind of growth and what you see on the horizon. But to to kick the conversation off today, Gabe, can you can you give me a little bit of a, a little bit of an idea, a bit of insight into the three kind of biggest trends that you're following in the healthcare or the ASD space today? Yeah, um, I I think the first one I talk about, you know, kind of affects us all, uh, and I don't know that it's specific to the ASC. I know that you know you go to different conferences, you you chat with peers. And this this topic seems to trend at the top of everyone's list, and 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 no matter who you're talking to or or, or what conference you go to, and that's you know staffing. I think I think we're seeing a tremendous challenge in terms of you know finding good talent. Uh, I think there's compounding factors you know across the board in terms of why that is. I think the pandemic, I think, um, you know, here in New York, we've pretty much dealt with a, a nursing shortage even pre-COVID. So it's not something that's entirely new to to us. So I think it's at the top of everyone's list, uh, at least in terms of some of the people I've spoken to or, or, or close to it, because it's such a vital part of what we do. You know, our, our people really make our organizations and without having continuity, you know, it's it's very difficult to be able to continue to provide high levels of patient care. Um, if you're continuous in a continuous mode of sort of training people, you know, first finding them, right? I guess I should start there with the recruiting. It's finding the right candidate that sort of aligns with your organization and what you want to do. Um, that's not as 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 easy as it sounds. Um, we, in particular, we try to put together a process that really sort of susses out the attributes of a candidate that kind of align with who we are as an organization. So we we look for very specific types of attributes within a, within a candidate because we want to make the right hire from the beginning. Um, 
it it just if you spend more time on the front end to make sure you get the right type of person uh in our experience it's just seemed to be easier to assimilate them into the organization the culture the work everything else um if you're looking at just experience and education you know i think it doesn't necessarily completely reflect on who the person that's coming in is you know and so we've really spent a lot of time to to kind of figure that out and it's yielded us some good results um but across the spectrum of the even the different positions within the ASC it's not just a, a nursing focus it's also surgical techs it's uh, sterile processing technicians front desk folks um you know the candidate pools aren't really huge um the quality of candidates also you know in terms of uh where they're coming from with experience relevant experience um or just you know uh experience that you could take and and sort of build upon in this environment even if they're coming from a different space um it's it's tough really really important point there and obviously like you said a huge challenge staffing it's popping up at every healthcare conference everyone's talking about it not just hospitals they see as well it's not yeah. just nurses, it's surgical techs, the administrative support. Obviously, a little bit even more challenging potentially for, for ASCs like yourself in that you can't offer these high sign-on bonuses that hospitals are offering, right? And you're kind of a little, it's a little bit more competitive. But what can ASCs do specifically to kind of or offer differently, should I say, to nurses, surgical techs that maybe hospitals or health systems wouldn't be able to offer to kind of sweeten the pot, for, for lack of a better word? Yeah. It's always been a challenge, right? Because we can't we can't compete at the same level with the hospitals. Um but I think I think you need to do a good job of first of all, candidate selection is is number one. Like and and, and one of the things that we've been seeing and we get a ton of applicants from hospitals. I think the the first thing is you want to make sure you're trying to, to, to find the right type of folks. And then once you do hopefully find those people you know, you need to educate them on what the ASC is, right? Uh, there's differences in terms of, you know, the, the the shifts that they'd be working, the days of the week they'd be working. Um, you know, typically you're not seeing an ASC pulling a, a midnight shift, right? Uh, there, it's typically, a, a, even if it's early in the morning, you know, and you're working an eight-hour shift, um, you know, you're leaving early afternoon, or if you're coming in late afternoon, you, you might be leaving later at night, but it's it's not a situation where you're pulling uh, a midnight type of shift. And, and typically, at least in my experience, I've seen a lot of, especially nurses, looking for a little bit different of a, of a, of a, wor- uh, a work type of schedule um, when it comes to, you know, a typical schedule in the hospital being maybe, you know, I work three twelves in a week uh, and, and going towards a, a five-day work week instead of working a, a three-day, 12-hour uh, shift. So the other thing is, is weekends, nights, there's no call typically, right? You're, you're, not, you're not seeing some of the requirements that the hospitals put on their, on their staff. Um, and that, you know, the, 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 the shift, the, the night shifts also applied to obviously the other, the other positions in terms of the surgical techs and, and sterile processing. Um, even, you know, you might have registrars in a hospital, which would, you know, 
equate to maybe some type of a, a clerical front desk type of position. So it's you want to kind of highlight the benefits of that, right? So, you know, you, it's time as well. Um, I think the other thing is at least what some of the things we try to highlight is culture um, and, and what, what we're doing in terms of providing uh, a very intimate environment and personal experience to the patient versus what the patient's experience is at the hospital. Um, you know, some of the things that as a single specialty I get concerned about when I start talking to folks is, hey, listen, this is a single specialty. This is what we do. Is this is this good? Are you good with that? You know, this is not a multi-specialty facility where you're going to bounce around from one thing to another. This is what we do. Is that, can you see yourself doing this? And I think if you have a very candid conversation with the candidates and they know what they're getting themselves into, you can kind of find those people that are like, yeah, that this is, this is, this interests me. I'm passionate about this. You know, for us, it's, this is women's healthcare. It's, I, I kind of want to do this for, you know, my career. I've always been interested in it. And it might be a little bit easier for me since we are so niche. I do get candidates that kind of gravitate to our specialty because that's their interest. Whereas a multi-specialty, it might be a little bit different of a scenario. Um, and you got to invest in your folks. I guess the, the biggest investment I would talk about is not monetarily, it's time. Uh, I think that's the greatest gift another any human can give another is to invest time into your people to make sure that you are interested in their well-being. You want to see them grow. You want to see them become successful. And you want to make sure they understand that you're not looking at them as a as just a, another number to plug a position. You know, you're you're legitimately invested in them and their success. Um, and then, you know, you obviously have to, you have to be able to put some type of a, a, a good compensation package together as well. I mean, you can't, you can't expect to, to, to be able to skimp that down and then do everything else and still be able to hold on to folks. You know, you, you have to make it an equitable situation. You have to make it fair. I think those are some of the things you can do. Um, you know, in terms of the candidate pool, it's always it's always challenging. I always th- I always tell people it's kind of we find nurses on both ends of the spectrum in terms of their career. Uh, you know, new nurses coming out of school or nurses who are you know been in the hospital environment and just like you know I'm done with that. I want a different type of life. Um, you know, so there's 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 benefits to that. You know, and uh, so we've kind of learned how to navigate that and and find the right people. Um, you know, we've had very little turnover, I'll tell you, within the last sort of three years. I think I've lost only one nurse in the last three years. So very proud about how we've been able to maintain our staff over that course of period of time. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, pretty impressive. One, one, one nursing staff turnover in the last three years. And obviously that goes back to a lot of the things you just mentioned in terms of investing in your team and really building that culture doing a lot of that um that front end work before you actually make the hire. Um okay, but really, really interesting thoughts there. And great to hear some of those aspects of the ASGs can actually compete with and um fight for some of this top talent in the market, um, given such a shortage across the board. And like you said, again it does seem like a lot of nurses, surgical tech are getting a little bit um maybe uh, potentially overworked or kind of overburdened with the hospital, the health system environment, are really looking for a change as well in terms of 
a flexible scheduling some of the other benefits that ASBs can offer. Um, I would I would love to on that note dive into your ASB specifically. I know last time you were on the podcast, I know it might have been a two years back or so, but you did mention something about potentially expanding, adding another a second surgery center, if I'm not mistaken. Love to kind of just yeah. pick up on that. And uh, is that something that's still in the works, or was it kind of put on hold given all the financial challenges last year? Love to get an update on where you stand there. Yeah, thanks for asking and then remembering. I uh, I appreciate it. Uh, no, we're full throttle. Uh, very exciting. Um, you know, we've 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 sort of begun a new project that I had discussed before uh, in another borough here in New York. Um, it'll also be uh, sort of the first of its kind in that borough to sort of service the community that we feel is now uh, challenged in terms of access to to healthcare. Um, and and specifically surgery. Um, It's in construction now. Uh, It's going very, very well. Um, And we're really excited. We've we've had a tremendous response from a a ton of the private physicians in the area. Uh, We've had interest from the the hospital system in the area with full support. you know we're 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 chucking away in terms of making real good progress on our timeline with with construction equipment procurement um we're we're we've already secured um you know sort of our software vendor um and a lot of the sort of infrastructure we'll need in terms of getting set up for operations um right now we anticipate you know, knock on wood, it's always uh, a moving target with construction. But uh, I'd like to think that we'll be ready for opening uh, and doing our first cases at the towards the end of this year. Fantastic to hear the the growth really full travel, full steam ahead, trying to get that second center open. You mentioned the uh, interest from a local health system. I don't know if there's how much you can actually disclose around that as yet, but. Um, anything you can kind of give us in terms of information there and kind of um, how much or have you started the kind of recruitment process for like extra positions that are going to be jumping over to this second center as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of the, the, the health system, um, you know, uh, they've just been very supportive, very interested. Um, you know, uh, they were supportive in terms of the project from the from the inception. Um, and there's also you know, discussions and how we can uh, work together. I I think one of the things that, you know, I've learned throughout my career, especially here in New York, is that there doesn't need to be an adversarial relationship between a hospital and an ASC. Uh, We can work together. We can find uh, uh, synergies that make sense in terms of uh, how we can collaborate. And uh, we've, we've, we're on the road for that in this new project, um, and we're excited to continue to have those conversations with them, um, and how we can we can further that relationship, not just for this project, but also for potential other projects that we already have sort of lined up for the future. Um, we do have a very aggressive growth strategy, and you know I think that one of the things we've realized is that we, we need to be able to build good relationships with the key players in the market uh, so that we can continue to scale and push that agenda forward. Um, the, the, the response from, from the physicians has also been overwhelming. Um, and I think that's in large due to the fact of its geographical location 
and the fact that there just isn't enough access uh, within that borough. Um, so you have, you know, you have a, you have the current situation where it's, it's just uh, situations where doctors are waiting for weeks on end to get even OR time. You know, they're just not able to get their cases done in the, in efficient and as fast as they would like to do them. And uh, having the opportunity to even utilize uh, a new state-of-the-art uh, facility that would allow them uh, greater access to do their cases and treat their patients is just it's just been overwhelming. I mean, uh, recruitment has has been has been just on fire. We've we're receiving applications and inquiries daily, um, and and we're even conducting some sort of site tours. Uh, for the physicians, if, if they if they you know would like to go see the physical site, so um, yeah, all exciting, all, all very good, um, and I I think those are the contributing factors in terms of why the project has the momentum it has. Um, I think from a state perspective, they also realized that there was a community that was underserved and needed some some more access. So you know it was. Uh, a full support in terms of the state approval process, uh, given the area that it was in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly sounds a really, really exciting time for for you and the surgery center, and a, a real feather in your cap to um, really spearhead this project um, to almost completion, hopefully at the end of the year. Given that we are seeing, you know, a lot of kind of projects kind of stall or being paused um, over the last year or so, given the many financial financial challenges that we've seen across the healthcare industry. Um, I wanted to pull back something you mentioned interesting that I, that I wanted to pick back up on um, is that kind of relationship between health systems and ASCs. Um, you know, like you mentioned there, it's almost like a symbiotic relationship now. It doesn't have to be one butting against the other, which we've obviously seen for historically over the years. Are we, start, are we starting to come to a point now, given that so many procedures are moving to the outpatient setting, are we starting to come to a point in time where Hospitals and health systems are finally starting to realize, okay, we need a partner, we need to be joint ventures, we need to look at ASCs as more as equals on a, on a level playing field rather than them against us, so to speak. I'd like to think so. I mean, I don't know that that reality is there quite yet, but I think that um, it's a it's a it's a process that I hope is starting to uh, evolve um, to the point to where the hospitals are understanding. Um, the trend, I think they do. I think part of it, though, is that they don't 100% understand it. You know, I think a hospital system is built and designed to run hospitals, even when it comes to their sort of quote-unquote ASCs or HOPDs. It's not run like an, a freestanding ASC. It's not the same animal. It's a different type of entity, right? And so when you are designed and built from your foundation up, to run an institution a certain way, you know, I, I think the freestanding ASC becomes a little bit of a of an enigma or something difficult for them to wrap their heads around on, okay, well, why, how did they run it? How did they make it successful? You know, um, you, the, the ASC typically will not have such a bureaucratic process or environment that it has to be navigated like a hospital does, right? So decisions can be made faster. They can be made more efficiently. Um, they can be made more impactful in terms of the, what needs 
to happen for the surgeons and the patients that are utilizing that facility because the ownership is making those decisions and, and the governing board is making those decisions at the sort of the ground level. There isn't so much distance between, you know, where the decisions are being made and, and, and who they're impacting. So I think I think they're understanding that you know from an ambulatory standpoint, definitely procedures are migrating to that environment. I think they're they're feeling the pressure from the insurance companies, um, especially here in New York. There's been a lot of communications back and forth uh, between insurance companies and and hospital systems and even associations about the 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 appropriateness of doing certain procedures in a hospital when it could be done in an ASC. I think it's hard to argue uh, the tremendous amount of cost savings that the ASC platform brings to the entire healthcare system, right? I mean, here in New York, especially, you're seeing, you know, over the last two decades, you've seen a tremendous amount of hospitals close. You've seen hospital consolidation um, and and why is that happening? Um, it's because they they are a tremendous cost burden to the to the healthcare system. And if we can move procedures in a safe way and maintain the highest levels of quality and and have the same type of outcomes or better outcomes in or at the ASC, and it be a fraction of the price that is being done at the hospital, or why why aren't we moving in this way? I think it's also, you know, the hospitals being protective of their own business lines and, you know, not wanting to lose that those, the case volume. So I, I, you know, I think it's a, again, it's an evolution. I think it's, it's going to take time, but I think they're looking at it in a different light because that's just the way things are happening. Right. And a couple of really excellent points there. And obviously why aren't we moving in that direction? It sounds like we are moving in that direction, potentially a little slower than maybe some would like. But like you said, in terms of ASCs being able to offer certain services at a fraction of the price and arguably a much better quality. Um, on that note, and last kind of point on this, I'd love to get your thoughts on on site neutral payments. Obviously, it's something that uh, the Ambulatory Surgery Center Association, ASC, has been pushing for for quite some time. Obviously, we're seeing some pushback from the American Hospital Association. Um, is it something that you think we're also moving closer to? Is it, is it a realistic um, goal and achievement for ASCs down the line? Um, I think you know. I'd like to. I'd like to say yes. I'd I'd, I'd hope so. Um, but again, you know, I don't have a tremendous amount of faith in the bureaucracy that was that has to navigate to get to to become fruition. Um, you know, I think it's a tremendous mountain for us to climb as the in you know the ASCs to to get to a point where we see equal payment for the same types of procedures, um, you know, in terms of the site of service or, or the HOPD versus the freestanding ASC. So I, I, I hope we can continue to sort of chip away um, and, and make people more aware. Um, I think, you know, in terms of an advocacy standpoint, you have organizations, national, national organizations, you know, flying into Washington and, and, and trying to educate folks on what we bring to the table. I think it's just going to be a consistent climb. We need to continue to, to sort of uh, make a full court press on that initiative and, and make people more aware and educated. Um, and, you know, as you, you know, sort of get new people in office and or, you know, 
uh, you you kind of also have to re-educate folks. So you know, it's it's just this constant sort of uh, communication and uh, initiative that I think is going to continue to happen for uh, you know over the course of the next several years. I don't think it's it's going to happen over overnight. Certainly, certainly a space to watch. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next several years. I used to. Yeah, I wish I could snap my fingers and just make someone wake up and say, "Hey, do it here." <laughs> it's not just less costly; they're not going to get an infection, you know. So, uh, I, I think it's it's a, it's just a matter of making people see things not just from one perspective but multiple, and and hopefully, hopefully, continue to trend in that direction. So, Gabe, final question for you here. I know you have quite an interesting and unique background in that you served in the military. Um, I believe you did four tours of combat, if I'm not mistaken. Can you give us a little bit of insight into the key skills or attributes you acquired during your time in the military that you've been able to apply to your time as a leader in the healthcare industry? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, I think, you know, first off, I'd say that, you know, it, it, it set me up foundationally um, probably for the rest of my life in terms of uh, what it taught me um, and, 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 you know, how the, the military sort of takes the approach of, of training individuals. Um, I think something that people should know or, or may not know uh, about how the, the military goes about sort of training uh, its ethos and, and leadership is it doesn't, it doesn't just stay at the, at the, the higher ranks or the brass level in terms of, uh, teaching leadership or teaching, uh, problem solving or teaching decision-making, um, that, that is taught from day one, all the way down to the lowest man. And, um, it was really invaluable. Um, you know, the training that I, that I received the, the individuals, that I was so honored to be associated with and come in and, and cross paths with uh, people from every walk of life, every background. Um, it taught me so much about, about who I was and how I wanted to sort of live my life. Um, you know, as a young man uh, trying to push his physical and mental limits to the absolute max, um, it, it really helped teach me what I was capable of. Um, and I've tried to take everything I've learned and apply it, not just in my career, but also in my life. And, um, you know, I, I look back on those days as being extremely fortunate to have had the experiences that I've had. Um, even the ones, um, that were, in direct combat situations, um, I look back and 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 reflect on those times often, and I just I just learned so much about who I was. I learned a lot about how to deal with different scenarios and situations and problem sets, um, how to build meaningful relationships with folks, and I think that kind of segues into you know how you run any type of business, right? Um, I don't think the ASC is necessarily unique in terms of how you should manage people or, or manage a business. Uh, problems are problems. Uh, every industry needs good people within it. And so uh, I really credit 
my entire philosophical approach and and even some of the tactics and techniques that I learned in the in the military and how I apply them to sort of what I do every day it's all because of that it's all because of great people who invested time into me and took the time to teach me and uh you know I I definitely wouldn't be where I am today had I not had those experiences and had the the honor to have the the privilege to have served with remarkable remarkable human beings yeah absolutely and again thank you so much for your service not just in the military but also in everything you're doing in healthcare as well it's kind of amazing to hear about everything you achieved in in those two separate careers and also how they kind of link up as well and certainly uh, like you said with the the incoming surgery center the second surgery center coming up at the end of the year certainly a lot to look forward to you as well in your for the remainder of your healthcare career so Gabe Again, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It's been a real pleasure today, and I've certainly learned a lot. Thanks, Alan. It's been a pleasure. I hope we get to talk again soon.